Welcome to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast with two St. Louis Cardinals fans talking about the Cardinals along with other broader baseball topics. I'm your host, Duncan, along with my co-host, Mark. We'll get into the weeds on players, roster construction, baseball philosophy, and the exciting baseball topics of the day. As a great voice in the game, Sarah Lang says, Baseball is the best, so come have a seat with us on the bleachers and have a little fun talking about the best game out there. In this first episode, Mark and I chat about the state of the Cardinals, the direction we're going, how this fits into the history of the franchise, and how that should shape our perspective. We're so excited that you joined us to listen, so let's get into it. I think we're going to focus a lot on the Cardinals, but I think we really should try to place them in the perspective so like this year's terrible you know it's a very disappointing season and everybody's sad I mean we thought go well it is it's abnormal for the last 20 years but what's funny is I cut my teeth on my baseball fandom in the 70s and I think it was 75 we finished a game and a half behind the Pirates you know, the Pirates won the whole thing in 79. The, uh, you know, and so we were always the bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. We, di- we didn't win the division, I don't believe, any years in the 70s at all. And, but I loved Lou Brock, was one of my first favorites. I loved Gibby. My brother-in-law, Dan, loved uh, uh, Simba, Ted Simmons. And, and we still loved our team, and that's why... You know, I'm not surprised that there's people out there that love the Reds, and it's. I think they're one of the great stories. You know, with between De La Cruz and the whole thing, mm-hmm. I just think they're just a great story, and it's nice to. Now the Brewers, they're easy to hate, and and the Reds too. I mean, you oh know, yeah, we remember think. Johnny Cueto. I mean, it's not hard. Brandon Phillips right. starting the brawl. You know exactly. Everybody <laughs> remembers that. Weird. But at the same time, their fan bases, they're no less passionate than we are. But we've been so lucky for so long. Like you mm-hmm. and the boys, really your entire life, certainly your entire life as a fan, mm-hmm. the Cardinals have been potential World Series winners almost like 80% of the time. Yeah. and like Some yeah. of my first baseball memories were like, uh, McGuire Sosa home run chase. That was like one of the earliest memories, and then like really, really becoming a baseball fan, and like one of the those earlier memories that like were very strong for me was the 2001 World Series, the Luis Gonzalez bloop off of Mo, and I was watching that in my parents' bedroom, and so it's like all right. So since then, yeah, we weren't like phenomenal right at the turn of the century, but. By 2003, we were consistently one of the top teams in the whole league. Sure. And so basically my entire fandom, I've been spoiled. And I didn't have that history of watching stretches, multiple different stretches of the ups and downs and have that perspective. So I think a lot of fans, even fans who have kind of lived through some of that, they forget a lot of it and don't remember how bad it was or how good it's been. Well, and the Cardinal Way wasn't established in 1926, and it's just, you know, 100 years later, it's the same way. I mean, it yeah. changes with the oh, personnel. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, obviously we've had management for Mo's been in the job for 20 years, maybe almost, and and a lot of the other. I mean, obviously, the Dewitt the third or whatever he is, mm-hmm. he's he's been around now for like a decade or more, kind of as the main man, his old man before him. That the current batch that we have, I mean, that's why everybody complains about Ollie. Because Ollie is the new guy, and he, and I feel like baseball managers. This is pretty true of generally, or this seems to be my opinion, is that they got to pretty much hit immediately. If they're not, it's, you know, baseball managers aren't like, uh, you know, aren't like minor league pitchers where it's like, well. You know, we'll let you pitch for two or three years. We'll you know and start out, yeah, and and we'll see how it works. Right. You have to be successful right away. Yeah, especially with the Cardinals when it's not a rebuilding team. You know, if you 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 saw like okay after the Astros had their scandal and everything, AJ Hinch gets a job with the uh, Tigers. All right, that's fine because it's going to be four or five years before they're a player. In the AL Central, and the AL Central is not great. So, that's a good <laughs> it's, point. It's a rebuilding project, and he can kind of take his time, do what he wants with the organization without the pressure of having a ninety-win season right off the bat. And we have that pressure here, which is it's one of those quote-unquote good problems to have. I don't know where I saw this, but I was just I just read something or saw something on the flip between the Nationals and the, which I still. That was 2019, right? I still can't yeah. believe we lost that series. I don't know how it <laughs> happened. I'm still mad about it. But the uh, Orioles, so I was in Baltimore in 06, working there, and they were the laughing stock of the league. But when I was Probably growing up, they they had Jim Palmer. They had the four 20-game winners in 70 or 71, whatever year that was. They won the World Series in 83. They won it in whatever other year, 71 or 73, whenever it was. And they were always one of the powerhouses of the American League. And basically your whole life, they've been trash. For you know, the most part, They've yeah. had a couple of good— the, to they me, had some playoff runs with Machado and Adam Jones and stuff like that, right. but that was few and far between. The vast majority was bottom of the barrel AL East. It was Yankees, Red Sox, occasionally the Rays when they had David Price, Evan Longoria. But other than that, Blue Jays and Orioles, bottom of the barrel in the AL East. That's well, just what it was. And what's so funny is that informs how you see them today. Yeah. So the... Like, to me, it's a return to form or it's a team, you know, that I remember being so good, being good again. And for you and even people younger than you, it's like, oh, I didn't know Baltimore was. I, <laughs> I just thought they were always supposed to be horrible. Like yeah. I, Detroit in the 60s, very strong team. 70s, okay. And then they've been on a fairly extended tough run. But they had the 80s with... Trammell and I think it was Trammell and Whitaker, and they were good. And you probably remember the the uh, the Guardians, you know, formerly the Indians. You probably remember them being a pretty solid club because in the early '90s 
through the really through the rest of the century. Mm-hmm. They were always strong, um, but they were they were so. You know, we're not. This is not a history pod. We're not talking about uh, you know Lake Erie or you know the city of Cleveland generally. <laughs> but that, that those two things went together. How pathetic the Indians, as they were called then, were in the seventies, along with you know the condition of the city and you know now you've got lebron james in the nba you've got just a you know the rock and roll hall, hall of fame's been rock and roll hall of fame's been there since whenever the 80s whenever it was built so that perspective really and and i think social media is where you see this in its worst form but you and I could be like if we're strangers or we're shouters on you know Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We we forget, like I forget, you're from this from a different generation. So my you know people from my generation might say, oh yeah, the 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 guardians are supposed to suck because they've always sucked. Mm-hmm. But the fact is is that if you were a Cleveland fan in the early '90s. You're you have an expectation. You say, to be "What good. are you talking about?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, or the Tigers. We mentioned the Tigers. They've been so bad for right. such a long stretch there. But if you look back at their baseball history of their entire franchise, they are one of the most successful yeah. franchises in the. Aren't entire they league. like in the top six or eight in total wins of all time? I, I believe so. Or, yeah. or most World Series appearances. Yeah. And those kind of things. So yeah. I mean. A lot of younger fans think about the Tigers, and they're like, oh, I mean, they've been horrible outside of Miguel Cabrera. Right. And that's about it. But they f- don't realize how much other baseball history has happened. And it doesn't mean that all of that past history is more important than what's happening happening now. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's important and helps form that perspective on whatever is happening now uh, to better understand it. And I think that's like especially true with our situation with the Cardinals looking at where we are as an organization and everyone, yeah, and rightly so, saying this is not acceptable what's right. happening because we're used to a level of success. Right. And rightly so because we've done a very good job. But it's also important to remember it has not always been that way. You could argue that there's no way we deserve the 06 World Series, speaking of the Tigers. <laughs> Um, but that was that big. What was that big pitcher's name? I can't. I always forget his name. From uh, the Detroit reliever that couldn't throw the ball at first base and just struggled so big. That big dude. You are stretching my memory. Right yeah, now. but anyway, he <laughs> he. Uh, but that, so that year we barely snuck in um, and went all the way and won the World Series, which happens actually more. You know, the Nationals we just mentioned a few the years Phillies ago in the World Series last year. Phillies came out of nowhere, yep. and and it's funny because I remember by the end of the World Series, I'm like, this Kyle Schwarber, he's he's a top you know ten, top fifteen player in the league. Yeah, he's and, a hitter. He and knows in, how to hit. And in fact, that's probably not so true. You know, yeah. he he's. Uh, what have you heard about Kyle Schwarber this year, for example? That's no, what I'm saying. It's a it's a single year, but it's. Exactly. It's but, a body of work. Who are the yeah. guys? That's why when people talk about gold, you know, first of all, I don't know. I was thinking about this on the way here. Who 
decided that Nolan Arenado had to get traded to the Dodgers because the mighty Dodgers decided that they wanted him. <laughs> that's that basically meant- the basis of everything that's being said right now. It's just the Dodgers like him, and they're the Dodgers. So we're just going to speak this into existence, and it's just going to happen. I mean, I know the guy grew up in Southern California, and it's a wonderful place, I guess, although I probably would never want to live there. But there's plenty of other fine places, too, you know. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't mind living in Miami either if he got traded to the Marlins, and who knows if that would ever happen. But why would he need to leave here? Which is the same thing in reverse. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Jack Flaherty may in fact want to leave the Cardinals because there's something about this area that doesn't appeal to him. That doesn't make him a bad person. Now, I might argue that his pitching over the last five years has not lived up to the, you know, if you look at the second half, uh, that might have been 2019, the second half of that season. Yep. What did he go like ten and one or something? He was he was like a one ERA. Something yeah, he was crazy. he was easily the a top three pitcher in the National League that particular second half of one season. Mm-hmm. But just like you know, I remember when Colton Wong couldn't get on the field, and then the next thing you know, we're giving him our Paul DeYoung, we're giving him forty million dollars, whatever it is. And all I wanted was them to get rid of him. Well, now the fact is this year I'm eating some of my words because Paul DeYoung's had a, a pretty good season. I mean, you know, he's not a top five shortstop in the league, but he's a serviceable player that can start, you know, especially in the way the game works today that most players aren't going to play more than 125. And, and I shouldn't say today because I think that's probably always been a little bit true. I mean, there's a reason you have a 25-man roster, right? And kudos to him for working his way back after being in such a low spot. I think it has gone underappreciated what he's done to actually come back and revive his career, and people just still want to just throw him out. Right, completely agree. And there's still a part of me that every time he comes up to bat, I'm like, oh, this guy again. (laughs) But the fact is, is if you look at his at his you know, hitting since, you know, like maybe June 1st or something. I think it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, but that was the point I was making earlier. I'm happy that as a fan base, we seem to be, you know, and resigned as, and that's the reason I brought up like the 17 game winning streak stuff. Yes, anything can happen. But the fact of the matter is, is that we probably shouldn't be super successful. You know, I mean, you can't be, you can't win every year. Nobody can, and nobody does. It's great to be one of the top five or ten teams in the league, but I'm happy that kind of collectively, I feel like we have resigned ourselves to the fact that this year just ain't it. And that doesn't mean you just give it all up and trade Arnold and Goldie for God's sakes. I that would destroy me. I would hate that. But it is okay then to say we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give Jack Flaherty whatever he wants because if he really doesn't want to be – because that's the other thing. It works the other way too. The player doesn't really like it here, but if we offer him more money than anybody else, he's, you know, his agent, his, you know, all his financial people are telling him, you got to take this deal, dude. You know, you're getting – they're offering you $5 million a year and anybody else is willing to. 
And, you know, that's... Or if you think about, like, I think this is being lost right now, too, in the whole context of everything. But talking about Jack Flaherty, you look at his body of work, what he's done over his career thus far. He is a, a very... He is a very high potential pitcher, and you can see it. I think this goes underappreciated when people look at numbers. You can see when he pitches. There are certain times maybe he gets into into trouble or something like that, that he has the stuff to get out of it. All right, I need a strikeout here. I can, I can go to this pitch. I can do that, and I can get that strikeout because I've got good enough stuff to do that. You don't see... And this is not to throw anybody under the bus, but like you don't see Dakota Hudson doing that, for example. You don't see, um, you think of any of the other right. um, middling guys right now. Matthew Libertor is not doing that right now. Right. Maybe he does have it. He just hasn't found it quite yet. But he's yeah, a high Ovedo, people like that Ovedo, that we yeah. thought was going to come up and and really make something of himself. Zach mm-hmm. Thompson, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a consistent starter in the bigs. And that's that's that kind of 4A comment I like to make sometimes. I mean, it, the fact is is that being a professional baseball player is one of the hardest things, one of the hardest jobs you could possibly have. I mean, there's a lot of glamour in it, and obviously they make a ton of money, especially the good ones, but there's only however many hundred of them in the world, literally. And so, you know, even when you're at that level, you can be just below good enough to consistently that's why when you have that's why I would never give up on a uh, Arenado I would never give up on a Goldschmidt now mm-hmm. you the, play out the contract I mean the finances of it are that's 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 what gets GMs fired and that's what gets front offices you know direct, uh, presidents of baseball operations where that's what gets those guys fired all the time but I'd rather take my chance and potentially lose my job mm-hmm. with guys I know are going to be good and that's and then of course that's the other thing but to, to, to just finish a point I was making and I can see I'm going to struggle with staying on topic a little bit but <laughs> the uh, but the fact that we've kind of given up for this year allows us something uh, a luxury that we don't usually have which is that we can look at some guys and give some guys some more time. Like somebody, I saw a comment recently that how Burleson is still on the roster. I think he's been on the roster the whole year or something like mm-hmm. that. He hasn't missed I any games. So, yeah. And Walker's been up and down and a couple other guys. Have been. And on the one hand, I agree with that because I think Burleson's, you know, I don't know, I don't know that he'll ever be a superstar in the, in the bigs. But I love the fact that Nolan Gorman plays almost every day. I love the fact that we finally figured out that you just plug Jordan Walker in and let him play every day. Now, I do I believe both those things are a year late? Yes. But that's because I'm more aggressive when it comes to that kind of stuff. I want the young guys playing as soon as we believe that they have the potential to be a Goldie or an Arenado. I mean, Goldie's been doing this, what, for 13 years now? 14 years, whatever it is. Arnado's been doing this for 10 years, 11 years. He's won the gold glove for eight years in a row or whatever the heck it is. The guy's amazing. Actually, I think he's won the gold glove every year except his rookie season or something crazy like that. Every single year he's been in. Yeah. Yeah. 
has not lost her. When you get a player off. like, especially in our market, we aren't the Dodgers. We can't outpay everybody. We don't have Magic Johnson as part of our management team. You know, whatever that means for the Dodgers. <laughs> but, but in our market, in the, and I mean, we've been a model in a lot of ways. We've been a model franchise. We have done a good job of keeping those guys. Sometimes I think it hurts us a little bit that we didn't sign Albert because based on his decade in Anaheim, LA, whatever, he you know, he was I mean he was never worth what they were paying him. He wasn't a twenty five million dollar a year player when the best players in the league were making twenty or twenty two or whatever. It just it, he just wasn't. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have played another six, eight years with us and been very productive. I mean, he still got to 704 home runs or whatever, mm-hmm. 703, whatever it was. And we were we got to see some of them last year, which those are memories we'll have for the rest of our lives, right? I mean, who's the next guy that's going to hit 700 home runs? Does that guy even exist? I'm not sure there. I'm not sure there is a guy that's ever going to get to 700 again. But anyway. Back to what I was saying before. I think it's I think it's really um, a blessing in disguise, kind of. I mean, it hurts. It hurts so bad to look at your team in fifth place, fourth place. I mean, you just always feel like that water's going to seek its level, and we're gonna we're gonna finish ahead of the Pirates and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't catch the Cubs this year. Maybe it's just that bad. But if if we used 15 different starters between now and the end of the season, I'd be completely fine with that. Absolutely. Would you you agree with that? 100%. I think it feels wrong to a lot of people to say, oh, yeah, well, we still need to try to win these games. These win these games matter. They don't, they don't matter. After, after you're out of it and you're going to sell, those games don't matter anymore as far as the result goes. Sure, if you want to make the argument of, all right, we don't want to start this player's clock yet as far as service time goes, but once the the deadline's done, you say, all right, what are we actually doing for next year? You got Mason Wynn absolutely tearing it up in AAA. All right, bring him up, get him some experience. You see what happened with Jordan Walker at the beginning of the year, and you said, all right, well, he needed to work on some things. It was controversial whether or not he should have been sent down or not. Whatever the case is, don't run into that again. You have two months where you can just say, all right, just go play. And it doesn't matter if you go 0 for 20 in a stretch. I don't care. You go figure it out because we know that you're a good enough player that you're going to figure it out. And you don't have to have that pressure of, I have to figure it out now because we have to win so we get into the playoffs. That doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the things that we haven't seen with our team now that other teams who have gone through rebuilds and things like that have almost in a weird way had a a luxury being able to uh, just let players go play and see what cream rises to the top. And, you know, we've had over the last number of years our outfield log jams or pitcher log jams or whatever the case is. And then, you know, people get mad at the front office for choosing the wrong player. Okay, but you don't have the luxury of giving a guy an entire first half of the season, see what he does. You have to, for example, like Randy Rosarena and uh, Adolis Garcia, those guys 
barely played hardly any games for the Cardinals. Right. Because you you didn't have the luxury. Or did they play any? I mean, did Garcia ever play for the Cardinals? He did, but very, very briefly. Oh, okay. I think... Like I, a September call-up or something. Yeah, and I cannot remember for the life of me what uh, number of games he played, but it was minimal. Minimal at best. But you don't have the luxury of saying, all right, let's see what he can do outside of spring training or those that couple weeks that you bring them up. And if they don't do well, you have to make a decision based on that. And it's not easy to make that decision. And I think a lot of people play that Monday Monday morning quarterback and say, well, you should have known and you should have kept him and you should be better at talent evaluation and all that. And it's like, yeah, but when you're a rebuilding team, say I used the Tigers as an example earlier when uh, A.J. Hinch got his job there and everything. You know, you, you have, say you have, all right, we've got four outfielders. We'll go run these guys out. We'll give them a month and a half of starts every single day. They can get into a rhythm. They can work on certain things. But in the the big league level where they're getting that experience, they're seeing big league Absolutely. pitching, all of that stuff. We don't we haven't had that luxury. Now we do and we need to take advantage of that now going into next year so we can be better for next year. And I think that could be a blessing in disguise now. And could help us, whatever log jams we might still have, whatever guys we think we want to take a closer look at more in depth, whether that's Burleson, whether that's Yepes, whether that's uh, whoever. Well, and that's the that's the DeJong argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be the Kisner argument. Why are those guys on our roster, right? Because I get it that maybe they're going to, you know, Kisner versus Herrera. Is Herrera an everyday major league catcher or not? If the answer is no, then somebody might want to get a closer look for themselves. And so you, you move the asset and you get back the next guy who mm-hmm. could potentially be an everyday major league player, right? But that's what I mean. Like, you look at Yvonne Herrera, if you're the Nationals right now, say they didn't have Kibe Ruiz right. from the Dodgers that they got him in the trade for, I believe it was Scherzer and, and Trey Turner, if they didn't have him right now, who's obviously a, a, a very high-valued pro, prospect and everything, say you had Yvonne Herrera instead, you could say, okay, well, we'll just run you out there and play you the rest of the season. Or even at the beginning of the year, they're like, right. we're not going to win the division. Yeah, of course, you, play, you go out and you try to win every game and you – Anything can happen, but you go into the season saying, okay, that's not our expectation to be a 95-win team, and that's okay, and so we can just play Yvonne Herrera every day, and then when it gets to the trade deadline or whatever the case is, all right, now we can reevaluate a little bit, see where he is. But you look at what the Cardinals have been able to do with Yvonne Herrera. Last year, 2022, 11 games, 22 plate appearances. Exactly. This year, 8 games, 26 plate appearances. And how old is he? He's 23 this year. So you what, just you just killed one of the most important years of a player's career. Is year 22 is age 22 year. It's it's really kind of a disservice to the player is what it comes down to. And if mm-hmm. and if think about that, if you're a young player, you're like and it's draft night. You're like, do I want to get drafted by the Cardinals? Because say you're a first baseman. Well, I'm not going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. 
you got Goldie at first base, and then I mean, we this was that's that's where you get Fat Matt Adams from. That's where you get people like that who, who yeah, we love them as fans because they kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But Matt Adams was never anybody's idea of a star in the in Major League Baseball. Every team he played on knew when they got him, he was going to be. You know, a backup, a generally player. a role player, a good clubhouse. You know, all the all the things we call players that aren't ever going to be the stars. Yeah. Right. Now, the other side of that coin, a Luke, a Luke Voigt, we're like, we never found out because, but we did, and I think in that case we did the smart thing. We moved them as soon as we could. And the Yankees gave him a shot. They gave him a couple mm-hmm. of years, and he actually played okay. And he's got stories for the rest of his life about his his Major League Baseball career. Mm-hmm. And that's it. He's done. Herrera, in my mind, should have been Yachty's main backup all yep. last year because you knew Yachty was only going to play 110 games or whatever it was. And then he should have had the starting job on day one this year. You know, I mean, if you don't go out and s- sign Contreras, and he could you know, have been more prepared for it. You know how many players there are in Major League Baseball, which I think is the Burleson. I think I think if if you you know if you had a, if you gave truth serum to to Ollie and you know whoever else makes these decisions about um, Burleson, they'd be like, oh yeah, he's great on the bench. You know, he he doesn't mind getting four at bats a week, and I'm like, oh. Okay, now I get it. That's why you have him, right? Because he he doesn't complain. You know what I want? I want every player on my bench to be mad as hell every night that they're not in the starting lineup. Those are the best teams. I remember the Cardinals in the 80s. I remember Tony would was so cutthroat in the 90s and the aughts where he would just he would just a guy would all of a sudden die and the fans would be like, "What happened to this player?" And because Tony decided you were done, you you he and and he he was so good at moving on from a guy that was what I always like to call a four A player or just a guy because you know what there's a million of those. I I was I was you know now they put the war mm-hmm. on every at bat, and I'm like you know how many guys we have that have between a zero and a one war in the end of July, so what are they going to be? They're going to be one wars at the end of the season. I, I, I can't win with that. I need a guy who, in the first month of the season, he's 22 years old, and I'm seeing him all over the leaderboards, and everybody's like, who's this guy? You know, what's more fun than watching a young star become? I mean, Walker, Gorman, those are the guys we... I mean, obviously, Goldie and, and Arnado, and so, like, O'Neal. Is he the guy or not? You know, everybody's been speculating, oh, they've been showcasing him so they could move him. Or, they're, no, they want to move Dylan, they want to move Carlson because, you know, they're playing O'Neill and they've already moved on from Carlson. And they're talking to teams about him at the deadline. And it's like, I really don't care which one or both of them that they could trade if, you know, if you don't believe. If you're not going to be a star... You, you you either need to be rising towards stardom, because if you look at the if you look at the World Series champs of the last pick however many years you want, yes, of course they all had role players. You can't win without role players. But 
every one of those role players is either on the other side where they're not trying to be stars anymore. They already know they've got they've either, they've either got a plus tool, like a really plus tool, or they are a six at everything and they've proven over time that they're consistently that six. Mm-hmm. They're not a three some days and an eight other days. I mean, every baseball player, obviously, you know, you Mike Shannon up. wearing yeah. the collar, you know, he was always the best. He'd, he'd, he'd always let you know when a guy was an offer in the ninth inning, oh, he's, you know, and he strikes out in the top of the ninth, we're down a run, and Mike's like, yeah, a rough night. And, um, but you either got to be, you either got to be rising to stardom which is where that inconsistency is much more tolerable, or you have to be consistently, a, you know, six or better player, or you can be a a about it. You know, you could be a not a. For me, it wouldn't be Alec Burleson type guy. It would be more like a. What's the guy that's on the uh, is often on the national broadcast? Uh, the uh, Latin player. Who we had for a couple of years. I love him. He's a, he's great. I can't think of his name right now, but he was on those teams in the aughts, right? And he was just a, you know, he was he wasn't that good of a player at the end of the day. He wasn't that great, but he was a great guy, and everybody liked him, and and he was fine with his role. But he was a vet when we got him. He wasn't a young player. Every young player we have should be in Ollie's office every day saying, start me, start me, start me. That's that's what, I mean, that's how I feel like we should be. And you know what? Sometimes those teams are going to lose 90 games. That happens. Hopefully not too often. But we're never going to be the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or even the Cubs or the White Sox who can go out and spend enough money to to buy their way out of their problems. We can't do that. Anyway. Yeah, as a rant. No, I like it. That's that's good. That's good context. But I think that's I think that's an important point. Understanding that, like, all right, the way that you construct a team, yeah, it's important to have. You we keep bringing up Alec Burleson, and this is not the harp on Alec Burleson. But it's no, just, he's the the topical well, he, guy right now. Yeah, but, well, and he's kind of the epitome of it on this year's yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like you you look at at him, good contact hitter. He, yeah. Uh, you know, doesn't play great defense. Probably, maybe a little bit on below average. Uh, I would think. But you look at him, you're like, all right, it's, it's a serviceable major yeah. league. He's probably going to have a fine career, and yeah. he's probably going to play. Eight, you think? Eight you think he could be an everyday left fielder? I, I, you do you think he could go play for the Royals every day? You think he could go play for the Tigers every day? You think he could go I play mean, for the? If I'm running the Tigers, he couldn't play for me, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like he could go play for a lot, of, a lot yes. of teams. There's plenty of teams that would have – I mean, he's on the Cardinals. Yeah. He's, and he's been on the Cardinals every day of the whole season. Yeah. While Mason Wynn is hitting 5,000 in, <laughs> in freaking Memphis. Anyway, sorry. But, but, I mean, like that's a great example of like, all right, he's probably going to play eight years in the league. Yeah. And he'll be all right. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll, you know, really – Go wild one year and make an all star team, and that's going to be his mm. career probably. You, you know, think he's got enough I mean, talent to be an all star? Probably not, but for the exa- for the sake of the example, yeah, yeah, a middling yeah, yeah. guy that like yeah, yeah. maybe he has a good year. And I think Donnie might team. be a better guy to yeah. talk about in that kind of a perspective. Sure, and that's a that's a great example too. Yeah. And you look at those kind of guys, you're like, yeah, they'll have a fine career, they'll contribute to your team. That's great. 
those are guys that you can find. They're important to have, and if you find a guy that's going to be consistent, that's great, and you should hold on to that, and that's important to build a team. But when you're looking at roster construction for cornerstones and pillars of young players that you want to have on your team, those are high-ceiling guys. Obviously, Walker, as, an, as a, a given. But you go, there's a lot of talk about, is Gorman a dude, is he not? You, I think he's a watch, dude. You watch the guy play. Yeah, sure. He's. Did you he's, see the two home runs he hit yesterday? Exactly. It's unbelievable. I think it's. I. I honestly, truly think that it's. Oh, he strikes out too much, for whatever reason. Of course he does. Yeah, and for whatever Every reason, major leaguer does. The Cardinals. A lot of Cardinals fans are enamored with contact hitting. Right. That's not one. It's not the modern game now. That's changing a little bit than what it was two to three years ago. Yeah, but, pendulum. But also, th- like a, the the definition of like an all star player is not going to be a three ten hitter with like twenty bombs. Right. That's not the modern player now. That's a good, right, consistent all star player. George Hendrick retired in nineteen eighty eight or whatever. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he's a he's a high ceiling player, and you watch him hit. He knows how to hit. You look at him, he's not just trying to slap the ball around. Now, I see that with Brendan Donovan, too. He's up there. He knows what he's looking for. He's not reacting to it and just kind of, like, being defensive, and hopefully he runs into one. He has an approach. You can just tell when guys have an approach. They know what they're doing, and they are attacking the ball. And sometimes it doesn't come off, and you're going to have a guy who goes through a slump. And we saw that with Nolan Arenado earlier this year, and he was really struggling and trying to find it. But when you, like you, obviously Nolan's, Nolan's a dude, of course. But the way that you watch him approach an at-bat, he's you can like see the gears turning in his head, and he's like, all right, this is coming. I'm, all right, he just threw this. What's he going to come back with? He's got this two-seamer running back in on my hands. All right, sounds good, but I gotta like be aware of the changeup. But he has the ability to make those adjustments and still hit, and he's balanced and he's on time, even when he gets fooled. He still stays on balance, and that was what Albert was so good at. Ugh. But those are their players; they are just like true ball players, right? And that's where you get a guy like Burleson. You're like, yeah, sure, he's gonna run into you know, X many doubles a year, and, like, he's going to be fine, but you don't build your team. And he's actually a pretty good hitter. He's a good, yeah, he's a good hitter. I mean, his approach is fine. People gave Ali a bunch of stick for pinch hitting him instead of Nolan Gorman in that game in Wrigley. I thought it made a lot of sense when you're looking at, I think it was a bases loaded situation and a sack fly is what you're really Because it was one out. Yeah. And, you and could, you know, the strikeout was probably the worst outcome. That's in that the worst case. outcome, and you want a contact hitter. Burley barely strikes out. Right. That makes total sense to me. But when you're looking at building a team, Gorman is the guy that you pick. Every so when time. you when you're looking at people arguing about who do we trade, who do we not? Ah, oh, well, maybe we trade Gorman because he strikes out too much. It's like that's going to be your guy that you look back at and say, oh, that's our next Randy Arozarena uh, or Adolis Garcia. Absolutely. He's going to go somewhere else. And yeah, but he doesn't sure, look like the Cardinals from the eighties. No. He doesn't look like Bake McBride no. or Willie McGee, you know, or Pedro Guerrero. You know, he he he's just a you know, I mean, he's. But what I was saying earlier is, I want Burleson 
on year seven of his career. Yes. I want him. Yes. I when want, he's figured it out. Yes, and when he's consistently that six. Yeah. I'm not going to get 30 homers from him. I'm not going to get, you know, a 300 average, but I'm going to get 260 with 15 to 20 bombs, and he's going to he's going to get 300, you know, 250 at-bats, whatever, and he's going to be perfect. He's going to be a fourth outfielder, whatever, occasional or, DH. Or whatever. even even if you think back to, like, the mid-2000s teams, and you say, all right, I got a team, I got Jimmy Ballgame in center, and I got Larry Walker in right field. All right, I just need a third guy. Burleson, perfect. In, like, the highest year seven of his career, perfect. I just oh, so now you're starting to guy. think, yeah, Bruno back in the day. Now you're starting to think about your, your finances and how a player of that caliber fits into your payroll. Yes. Well, because and, and you can't also, be the Dodgers or the Yankees or yeah. the Sox where you just go out and spend $200 million on the next guy. Yeah. But even so, even without finances, you're not going to have guys like – uh, now this is like merging uh, eras and stuff, but you're not going to have guys like Jim Edmonds, Larry Walker, Lance Berkman. You're not going to have all those guys at every single position. Well, you why need, not? You need that's to what I it. want. I mean, of course, everybody <laughs> wants that. But like, yeah, the Astros had a stretch with that with you know Bregman, Correa, Guriel, yes. Altuve. Yes, but, but you know what they had before that. Five or six years of being in last place and being getting a top draft picks, team. and that's exactly what the yeah. Orioles and went through. And their and now GM there. went to jail or whatever happened. To them. <laughs> yeah, so it's like <laughs> to do that and to have those for five years throughout their R beers and everything. You need to go through that horrible stretch. Yeah, and uh, we're just going to take a little guess. We probably don't want to do that, but no. that's no. where like. Burleson is a great guy where it's like, all right, he's my finishing piece of I've got two dudes out there at my two of my three outfield positions. He's going to do great. And right. he doesn't have to be a star because I have stars already. But like you can't that. but you can't build your team and say, all right, yeah, Burleson's a guy. I'm going to keep him. And I think that's kind of the like build around him for the outfield because otherwise you look at your outfield, who do you have? Yeah, you've got Jordan Walker out there. And he's still he's a learning. Rookie. He's a rookie. He's <laughs> right. still learning how to play the outfield. But well, he, I wouldn't look at him and be like, he's my star outfielder. Oh, well, not know? right now. Exactly. He's going to be. He's going to be, and he's going to learn the outfield, and he's going to be so much better next right. year. And, 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 and we may not be, you know, the cardinal way where we pitch and play defense. I mean, the pitching left us like, I don't know, feels like 15 years ago. But the, I mean, you know, we get, because we've had Wayno, you know, we had the long term with a guy like Wayno and a couple other pitchers. But you know, in the modern game, starters are, I mean, their their windows are so narrow. And the, I mean, obviously the great ones, the Scherzers and the guys that have been around forever, the Verlanders, you know, the reason those names are household names is because it's, it's rare for a starting pitcher to last a decade, even I don't know seven years of of top, you know, top twenty twentieth percentile. Mm-hmm. That's that's rare. I mean, there's there's thirty two teams, whatever it is, and you you know, I mean, everybody has a one, two, and a three. Well, what's been killing us the last number of years is we haven't had a one. We haven't had a one in probably. Since Wayno was at his peak, right? So yep. what was that? Twenty fifteen was his last season where he was really at the top, or I don't know if he was hurt that year. 
but who else? You know, the you know, like we say, Flaherty, the one half season. But I think you hit on a good point that I think we can dive into a little more in the future. The fact that yes, you got to have Burleson. I've made a little bit of an argument that I'd prefer veterans in that role. I think it was Eduardo Perez, isn't that his name? Isn't that the guy? That's he's on, on the, he's on the ESPN broadcast. Yeah. yeah. So when he was with us, I just liked him. But I thought he was that guy that was very comfortable with his, like, Burleson-type role. And he's, he's only going to get – I mean, there could be – he could go a week and not see the plate, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a good manager tries to – you know, I mean, it's only – it's not that hard. There's only like 12 or – thirty, you know, usually 12 guys or 13 guys, whatever, that you got to play. I mean, uh, you know, if you're if if what we were talking about before, if you got Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and Paul Goldschmidt and and, and, Lars and, Nol- and, and Nolan Arnado, and you decide that Newbar, which I think is a good decision, I, is is one of your top guys. And, I look at him; he's a dude. I mean, he Donnie. I think Donnie could be a dude. Too. I think he could. I believe that. Tommy Edmund, it's hard to know because he's hurt. I I never believed in him, and then all of a sudden, I was all in on him. Um, you know, we forget about Marp, how good he was for five years, but that was five years. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get 20, you know, not everybody's Albert. Not everybody's going to play 20 years in We've the bigs. We've been too spoiled with that to expect it now. It's crazy. But because until we can get, you know, uh, uh, some semblance of a one through five, like if we had to list our top five stars, if we had to say who our number one is, I guess it's... Montgomery this year, or maybe Miklas. He's played. Montgomery's pitched the best consistently. Yeah, but you, if you're going to build a, a rotation, but I mean, what's he realistically? He's a he's a is is he a he's a, a high three, he's low a three. two? He's not even a low two, is he, he? No, and he wasn't. He wasn't even a three on the Yankees. It was like but, a four. But I think he's pitched so much better since he's come over to the Cardinals. I agree. Uh, and so I think he's improved and like moved up to I would say probably a three if you're yeah. going to build a rotation. Yeah, I'd, I'd an say ideal an ideal rotation, and he's one of the guys. Yeah. He's going to be your three. Yeah, right? this offseason, if I sign him, I'm going to try to have two other guys that are better overall pitchers. Exactly. Than yeah. So my point is, is there any pitcher either in Double A AA or Triple A that can be an ace? I mean, I think I would have maybe. There's probably a guy that I just don't hear about because I'm not paying enough attention. Graceffo's made a pretty big jump over the last what year and a half or something like that, and that kind of took some people by surprise. And I, I would love to see what he could do for the second half of the year. So, right. can he get five starts between now and the end of the season? Absolutely. Why not? What's the worst thing that if, could happen? He, he gets comes... shelled and he goes back to AAA or Double A and pitches there yeah. next year until till the middle, you know, till he. Until he proves he can do it consistently, yeah. or you, 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 he becomes the next, you know, whoever Oviedo, whoever we talked about earlier, that you you just decide is not going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach Gallen. I don't know where we were with him when we traded him, but we needed to trade him to get value back. Yeah. I get that. I don't have any problem with that. Like. You know, the, the the Ozuna trade, I always ripped that because I always felt like we overspent for a guy, especially in, you know, it's proven out that it wasn't, that the Yelich deal wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the Brewers just, they got a year, maybe probably two years, that was so high, the ceiling was so high, I mean, the guy won the MVP, that, that you, you know, you're like, wow, they really, look how stupid they made the Cardinals look. 
But in the end of the day, I don't know that it's going to be that much difference. Them getting Yelich and us getting—I mean, the fact that they kept him, you know, was their—that was their choice. Yeah. But I don't know that his—I mean, over his career, he's going to be a guy that had a peak that might have he been a two-year peak. Yeah. You know, it's like Bellinger right now is, is hot, right? Mm-hmm. He's having a great seat. You know, I mean, for him, you know, who he's been in the last two, three years, he's having a great season, right? But at the end of the day, he's going to be a 10, 12, you know, who knows, you know, barring injury, whatever. He could play 13, 14 years in the bigs. What's he going to be? You know, is he going to be Is he going to be as good as my favorite player of all time, Willie McGee? Probably not. I mean, that's 2,500 2, hits, you know, whatever, 500 doubles, however many Willie had, um, you know, that kind of thing. And so is Bellinger going to be that good? <sighs> I mean, you know, he's doing well right now. But that's kind of what, you know, I even felt at the time that the Ozuna deal. But I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to who we were trading yeah. away. But you also you I mean? think you think about the other side of that Ozuna deal and everyone rips it and it's easy to do that now. But, you know, say in, you know, 2018, 2019, we make – say we beat the Nationals, we go to the CS – you know, get to the World Series is are people saying the same thing? Say we say we get to the World Series and we take it to six yeah. games and we lose. And Ozuna is our third best hitter probably that year. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think people are saying the same thing. And like, yeah, you needed to do something at that time, and people were you know in a way clamoring for offense in the same way that people are clamoring for pitching now. Right, and so people are yelling and screaming and, and doing all this and that about it. But are people going to feel the same way about, you know, if, you know, this is being recorded before the deadline, but, like, if Gorman gets moved or, say, oh. Dylan Carlson gets moved and they, each of them end up being MB, MVP caliber players. Yeah, but we can't trade Gorman. Gorman is his high – his ceiling is so high. Yeah, but that's now, my point is, like, yeah. say we did that and we traded for – I don't know, like, I, I don't know what the actual values and stuff would be off the top of my head, but say you traded and you got some Shane Bieber kind of player or something right, like right, that right. that could be a one and that yeah, who, solve who, your who pitching Who even blows. is that guy right now? I mean, like, they just, like, the trade that the, I don't know anything about these two Angels prospects. I guess his catcher's the, you know, he's the next pudge. But um, between the catcher and I guess the pitcher is pretty highly thought of too. They're like they're two of their two top, of their top five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, is Giolito and Lopez are they that? Giolito could be. He could be a real talent. Yeah. If he really is, hits he young. His I don't know how old he is. Uh, I think he's about the same age as Flaherty. He he Flaherty and Max Fried all went to the same high school. They were all on the same team. At the same time? <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like, <laughs> did they win everything? I, I, I imagine so. Right. And I think Freed, uh, I've heard Freed is just an absolute freak athlete, and they say that he could play center field in the bigs probably. Like, he could just go right out there and just play with the best of them. Some but, pod we're going to have to do a little deep dive on my boy uh, uh, Rick. Uh, what was the dude who couldn't throw the strike? Oh, Rick Ankiel. We got to do a little Ankiel. Absolute freaking retro. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he did what he did in the major league, it's just, it's, 
That's like nobody. I, I mean, I, yeah. that's like the Dennis Quaid, the rookie kind of like movie material right there. The it's, stuff that he it's, did. It's crazy. But, I mean, the fact that he did it is just. It's just. Which <laughs> Otani's day today? Yeah. Dude, throws a one hit shutout. And then hits two home runs in the nightcap. I mean, that's 1930s baseball right there. He's a sicko. That is so much fun. And they just came out and they made that deal. Who knows if they gave away their future, but they made that deal. But they still got to sign him. I think that they already know what his number is. Hmm. They're already ready to pay it because... I guess it was during the All-Star break. Somebody was talking about, like, his personality and the kind of person he is. And, you know, the fact that... So what happened was it came up, why did he choose the Angels in the first place? West Coast team, probably part of it. Close as possible to Japan. And he just felt comfortable. He didn't, you know, like the Dodgers, maybe even the Giants, were, I don't want to say intimidating... But just based on his personality, he kind of felt most comfortable there. And maybe that's still true. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he loves Trout. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. I, as much as he, he is going to make and he should make what he can make and, you know, sign what you can, I, I, he's not a Boris client. He's not just going to get paid the most and go to wherever he can get the most money. Right. Um, in addition to that... I, Which could I be love, like 20 miles from where he's playing right now, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> but I would love to look at, okay, what's the percentage of his earnings that actually come from between-the-lines baseball? Because, you know, if I cannot even imagine how much he makes in endorsements and right. all of those other things. I mean, if what he makes as a baseball player just playing baseball is like, what, 40% of his salary? Do you think that uh, another $30 million is going to make a difference to him over the life of his contract versus being comfortable at a place? And I think that that's... I mean, that's a question, I think. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, we, you know, you, you could go broke pretty quick trying to bet on what any ball player ever will do when it comes to making deals. Um, I mean, my favorite players have always been the guys that were willing to... Um, you know, maybe take a little bit less, the whole hometown discount. You know, that's a real thing that happens every day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get talked I mean, it doesn't get talked about when, you know, Donnie, for example, uh, in a couple of years, or when he goes to arbitration, he doesn't, you know, the Cardinals offer him, you know, 2.6, and he, he submits 3.4 or whatever. You know, I'm just, I don't know if any of those numbers are close. But, you know, that happens. Where you know he could have he could have put four you know he could have said no I want four million you know and and then you create the bad blood the Cardinals got to go harder on the negative so that they can you know because the you know it's so funny that in arbitration which we're gonna have to talk about that at some point because I, I just think it's the stupidest thing in the world but it the player has to ask for a ridiculously high number and the team has to offer a ridiculously low number. Because if the if the because the perception is always oh whatever the middle of those two numbers is that's the true value of the player yeah it has nothing to do with it no it's just they're at, at a certain level they're just arbitrary numbers that they're picking right yeah the the team's gonna say what 
what can we what what's the lowest number we could put in there without the arbitrator just laughing at us walking in the door and the players the same and conversely, way conversely yeah yeah you know exactly anyway show hey today though what a game oh my <laughs> word or what a day two games yeah well i think we got a number of topics and ideas coming up uh, of what we're going to talk about. It's not just going to be day-to-day Cardinal stuff. I think right. we'll, we're going to hop into, especially second half of the year, where a lot of the day-to-day wins and losses aren't going to matter as much. But Not for us. Not for us. Uh, but I think we can get into some really interesting topics that aren't really discussed very much around the world of baseball. And Let's and, end now. We're right at an hour. That's perfect. <laughs> we can cut some stuff uh, if we need to. <laughs> oh, I mean, probably most of it. But, um, <laughs> all right, shut her down. All right. That was good stuff. I got to use the little boys room.